thrill-seekers and acrophobics. Relax to the gentle sounds of the anti-rollback device, dig your nails into the foam of the grab bars, and mentally prepare yourself to ride this rickety old woody. <laughs> because it's time to talk tall to me. Keep your hands and feet inside the ride, inside the podcast at all times. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moes. And this is Talk Tall to Me. An old-fashioned roller coaster ride at the Carnival of Prague Rock, where Nick and I will buy you a cone of pink cotton candy from Clive Bunker, win you a fluffy teddy bear at the Jeffrey Hammond Hammer of Strength, and profess our undying love for Dee Palmer, right before we throw up on the Tilt-A-Whirl. Yes, every magical thrill ride an album, every candied apple a song, Nick and I will lead you by the hand through the entire smelly and riotous discography of Jethro Tull. Ian Anderson will guess my weight, and I will cry tears of hot, hot shame before drowning my sorrows in a paper dish of salt potatoes. Did you have salt potatoes at your county fairs, Nick? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's an upstate New York thing. It's, it's an upstate New York yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I don't understand why. I think salt potatoes are just they a, a are waste of calories. They're just disgusting. <laughs> they're awful. They're awful. I, I do not see the value in salt potatoes. Yeah. No, they're gross. Um, so, Nick, welcome back to the podcast. Hello. Welcome. Oh, man, it's, it's been a while recording chronologically. Yes. We we took a week off. My my beloved went to Florida for family business. Mm. So it was just me and the Sprat and I barely survived. <laughs> he is now the alpha of the house <laughs> and we do nothing but watch Pokemon and uh, he, he looked directly into your eyes and peed all over everything that you own. Yep. And I I I'm going to admit I flinched. I bl- yep. I looked away. <laughs> So, Nick, before we jump into today's exciting song, yes, yes, do we have any housekeeping? We do. We've got a handful. Marley and Marley. Thank, thank you, Marley. Thank I you. I just discovered the li- the writer of my secret beloved letters. Oh, that's that sounds lovely, Mary. I'm glad to hear that. Hey. Yeah, you're not going to tell me who. It was me when I was drunk six months ago. Oh, and you wrote enough to to make a relationship happen? It's so beautiful. I'm going to marry him. Oh, I've never heard of anyone catfishing themselves. I don't don't know how that's going to work, but I I am. I've got to go pick out my dress. I am a reverend, so I would be more than honored to do the ceremony for you and and you. Congratulations. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Mary. Wow. What have we got there, Nick? So I've got a little, just a, uh, an interesting note. I forget okay. who, was it Doc Savage? It was someone who recommended horse lips to us. Yes. And I've been I've been listening off and on to, to horse lips. And there is a song called Power and the Glory. Okay. That I'm going to play the first portion of it. And I want you to tell me what it reminds you of. Oh, okay. Uh, let me let me get my listening ears ready. Wait. Get them on. They installed. I'm ready. Fully charged? Good. Yep. Okay, go for it. 
Wow. Okay. So I'm getting initially kind of Beethoven's fifth vibes. Yeah. Ignore the synth. It's really the once the guitar starts and that first line of lyrics. Couldn't understand what it was. It reminded me of of Hunting Girl, and it reminded mm. me on of uh, Velvet Green, both from Heavy Horses. I no. I I got pure locomotive breath. In the really? shuffling madness. Yeah. Absolutely. Shuffling madness. Yeah, that's all. Interesting. We should have Girl Talk come out of retirement and do a Jethro Tull Horse Lips mashup. Mm, I will send out that email immediately. Okay. <laughs> Great. What else do we have, Nick? That was fun. Let's see. We have a, a little review skidoo here. Ah. Sir. Sensors have detected another star in the sky. Dear Lord, that's five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five so this stars. is from Apple Podcasts, United States. This was at the tail end of last year. And this is a an Instagram follower, Shire Seeker. She writes, great job, lads. This feckless mom wants to thank you two feckless moms for your thoroughly entertaining and insightful commentary on the works of Jethro Tull. Looking forward to hearing you in 2021. Five stars. Wow. I give that mom five stars. I also, I did actually see that review, and I thought that it was a, I thought it was a misspelling of mom at first. <laughs> no, she's a feckless, I mean, I hope she's not an actual feckless mom, but she can be our mom. She can be our feckless mom. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She's yeah, the, we, the mother of all tall skulls. You, indeed. You've been named it. And and a shout out to all the 10,000, 40,000 mothers out there. Listening to Talk Tall to Me. Listening to Talk Tall to Me. <laughs> Somehow mysteriously not showing up on our records. Yeah, it's, not, it's weird, but I know they're, I'm pretty confident they're doing it. That's lovely. Anything else? That's it for me, but I think that's a pretty decent segue, Omen, right? Ah. Do we have a sting for... The thing that we're about to do? I think it has been... How come you know better than me that this is not love? This is not love. Yes, everyone, <laughs> friends, it is time for the traditional reading of the Rolling Stone review of gather, this album. Gather round, children. It's time to read the review. It's the worst story ever. <laughs> August 26th, 1976, 4 a.m. 4 a.m., classic. Too old to rock and roll, too young to die, David McGee. Hmm, okay. Some fresh blood. Fresh blood, yeah. Maybe a change of tone. Maybe. Ian Anderson should stick to music because he most (laughs) definitely is not a storyteller. (laughs) What? Wow. Okay. This is the muddled story of one Ray Lomas, quote, the last of the old rockers, end quote, whose long hair and tight jeans mark him as a person whom time has passed by. After a series of events remarkable only for their lack of humor and originality, 
We leave the, quote, hero, unquote, as he is about to become a pop star in his own right. So what? Question mark. We can take comfort, though, in knowing that Anderson's technical prowess as a composer remains undiminished. The album abounds in breathtaking musical passages. The title cut, for one, is a textbook example of the use of dynamics and nuance in a rock song. Instruments subtly creep in during the verses with the slightest of musical nods to let us know they're there. The music builds with a tension that heightens a desperate theme, then erupts in the chorus. Quiz Kid features, in addition to numerous startling changes in texture, several brief but pungent solos by <laughs> guitarist Martin Barr, whose playing is exemplary throughout. Fact. Unfortunately, the power of these passages and several beautiful melodies is undercut by Anderson's stillborn vocals and lyrical verbosity. Though his attempts at pithiness generally yield nothing more invigorating than clear your throat and pray for rain to irrigate the corridors that echo in your brain filled with empty nothingness, empty hunger pains. It seems fair to suggest that a little less conversation would have saved this album from its most embarrassing moments. Hmm. Is that it? That's it. Short and bitter. Yeah. Like my cocktails. <laughs> Actually, as weird as this is to say, after reading that, one of the more positive reviews from Rolling Stone. I mean, that yeah. Seen. I feel like one or, we, we heard one not too long ago that was actually surprisingly good, but that's... There, there was there was some positivity toward the music, but he does not like the story. He doesn't like Ian's lyrics. And to be honest, it is a very muddled story. It's very unclear. It's very poorly represented. So I, I get that. I mean, it's not I, yeah. it's not without merit. I, I just feel like what's the fellow's name? Let me find this guy's name. Jeff McGee. I just feel like David McGee feels oh, David. like it's his job to be critical of the of the work like he's some sort of a, a a critiquer like he gets paid to be critical Jesus. it's absurd i mean it's absurd who does he think he is no but i agree point taken the music is amazing and mm-hmm. that's something that we've seen consistently throughout the rolling stone reviews that yeah they yeah. always said the musicianship is outstanding the concept the lyrics the singing mm. Mm. Yeah, hit or miss. Yeah. So some some non-Rolling Stone reviews. Oh, yeah. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that All Music reviewed it as one of the minor efforts in the Jethro Tull catalog. Okay. And Chris Welch of Melody Maker said that he longed for the beat of Barrymore Barlow to break free or the guitar of Martin Barr to swoop. At the same time, he did praise Anderson's poetics. So, oh. Yeah. So he had kind of the opposite opinion that that the music yeah. was subdued, I suppose. The musicality held, was held subdued. Back yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that all this goes to show that there's no accounting for taste and you should listen to what you like. Preach it. And we should remember that, you know, this was this music was originally conceived for a stage play where presumably there would be a lot of other storytelling cues mm-hmm. going on visually mm-hmm. dialogue wise 
so they tried to salvage the lost time of creating that project, and it, it didn't really succeed. I mean, well, it's. I think it succeeded in the in the sense that it's a great album with amazing music. <laughs> now, I guess I would call that a success. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, personally, I was not aware that there was a story attached to this album until we started researching it. You know, as a casual listener, I had no idea. Right, right. We did not have the album sleeve, the actual physical vinyl sleeve, to clue us into that. So it was just a weird concept album to us. Yeah. And I do agree with the point that the story itself is perhaps... I mean, it's very muddled. They, they've they said themselves that th- between the story in the cartoon and the story, there, there are differences between the story in the cartoon and the story being told in the lyrics. Mm. So they couldn't even get it straight. It's also, I mean, the story is an older rocker who has a resurgence of fame. I sort of feel like it, I feel, I feel like dr- dramaturgically, if you will, that it ends really where the second act should start. Hmm. Okay. You know, older rocker who's suddenly, you know, who goes through all these hard times and then suddenly is having a resurgence of fame is a great act one. Act two needs to do something really more interesting. Right. It ends on a stinker. It opens on a stinker. And then... In the middle is a stinker. (laughs) Coasts coasts as a stinker, yeah. So... I I say, great act one. Can't wait for act two to happen. <laughs> Hooray! We are two songs. This is our second song in act two. Side B of the album. Side B of, of the album, yeah. Presumably it's, a, it's an act one and an act two broken up on the vinyl itself. Pure, pure guess. We, there's, there's, it's difficult to know. And Nick, what is that song that we are going to talk about today? We are going to talk about Big Dipper. Let's dip into that song with our ear tongues. Dip our dip our ear toes into the water of Big Come Dipper. Come on in. The ear water is fine. Oh, yeah. Mm. Let's have... <laughs> Well, Nick, there we have Big Dipper. There we do. There we do. First impressions. Musically, I love this song. It's okay. so fun. It comes up after two really mellow tunes to remind everyone it follows up after From a Deadbeat to an Old Greaser and Bad-Eyed and Loveless. Oof. So it is a nice, fun kick to, to jumpstart your, your heart at this point. Yeah, much needed because we were flatlining there for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I like it. I think it's a fun song. Yeah, it is. It, I think it's rollicking. Mm-hmm. It has, I... it has a, it has a lot of rollick. It's musically, it is less complicated than a lot of what we find throughout the biosphere of Jethro Tull. Yes, but that's not to say it's not still expertly played and filthily funky like there's such good funk in this song 
It is truly the kind of song that you should get a tetanus shot after listening to. Yeah. It is it is filthy. I like that description of it, Nick. I think that's very accurate. But it's it's well, you know, to Rolling Stones point, it is expertly contrasted. You don't just have a bucket of filth, as appealing as that sounds. It's got all these little details that act as a little entre-filth sorbet to refresh the palate <laughs> so you can really enjoy the nastiness. That was my, uh, that was my, my punk band in, uh, in high school. Entre-sorbet. Entre-filth entre sorbet. sorbet, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it starts out, you know, with that lovely John Evan piano riff that almost kind yeah. of what I think of as like a newscast sting. Dun, 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 a little synthy, yeah. I it to me that was that I think that's kind of how I always felt it but when you showed me the video you sent me the video of them playing for that TV spot it made it feel more like a train like the Glasgow train the train oh, rolls into the station it feels like that progress maybe a horn almost that's that's very observational Nick. correct correct it is it's very apt <laughs> also correct also, for anyone who didn't have the pleasure of seeing Jethro Tull perform live in the 70s, I highly suggest going onto YouTube and looking at some of the performances from this time, if for no other reason than to see John Evans' oh my gosh. ridiculous face when he's playing. He really, I said this to you yesterday, he, he looks like he's in a Monty Python sketch. Oh, he, he's so happy. He's the happiest man I've ever seen in my life. He's enjoying <laughs> he himself so much. And it's wonderful to see. It really is. It is. It's like he's, like, yeah, he's on another. He's on another planet, and it, it's a lovely, happy, content place to be. Yeah, yeah. He's he's doing what he loves to do, and maybe he's drinking heavily. Maybe he's um, playing too much classical music. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But you know what? More power to that to that guy. Sure. That's what I say. And then soon after that, we have a a saucy, a rich. Bechamel that combines the bass and the, and the guitar. Uh, just really quick, I'm, I'll put the I'll put the link for that Big Dipper video in the show notes for everybody too. Please do caution: the editing is a little bit nauseating. Yes, it, it was the 1970s. It was the 70s. Yeah. What do you want? Yeah, you can't. You cannot ask for any more. You're lucky it even still exists. The 1970s so. were a bit nauseating. Okay. Also that. Yeah, I remember them fondly. I, that's. Mm-hmm. Impossible. <laughs> so, you know, right in the beginning, we have this fabulous cream sauce of a combination of the, the, the guitar, the bass, with a little, a little lemon zest of the flute, just to lighten it up. And it's that kind of like, nice, Nick. That's my, my, my lemon zest. It kind of does remind me, I feel like they're playing with that very kind of classic rock, you know, very Mm. driving, forward. Heavy, yeah. Heavy, uncomplicated, except with the little, you know, flourishes that do lighten it up. And as the Rolling Stone review said, it sets up the chorus when it breaks out into that 
those long held guitar electric chords that Ian's voice floats on top of. It's really fun. Yeah, it's it's magical. It's so lovely. I that the the powerhouse, the momentum that it it picks up very quickly and then holds the entire way like a train, say. It's so solid. It's so good. It it just plows right through. Barrymore Barlow does these lovely little quick rolls. You know, most of the drumming mm. is this very mm-hmm. again, classic straightforward rock drumming, but he throws he throws in these little that prevents the song from sliding into sloppiness. Yeah. And he starts out with that cymbal slide sound again that we heard in Black Satin Dancer, that psh sound. Mm, He starts out with that and then carries it through, but he starts out with just that part. And then, of course, at a minute, everybody's favorite, Cowbell. What? I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Yes. <laughs> yes. Calling all the prog rock cows. Speaking of, of everybody's favorite, though, no strings in here, right? No strings. I did not catch any strings. I would have. I would have noticed. No, not the song for them. I think. Wholeheartedly agreed. Yeah, they. It would be accentuated and beautiful with it, but I don't feel it is lacking without it. That being said, it would be fun to hear a purely orchestral version of this song. I think I think that'd be fun. Goodness me, yes, please. And maybe there is one because I know we know that Dee has spent a lot of her time orchestrating, you know, fully orchestrating rock songs. That's sort of her her bag. That's that's her her thing. That's what she does. Yeah. That is her exclusive haute couture Gucci purse. And it is it is lovely, and it accents her eyes very well. Yes, it does. <laughs> that's all I got for music. Uh, do you have anything else music-wise? If I think that if this song were played by a lesser band, it would just be any other rock song. But because it's Jethro Tull, they're able to really hold that classic rock sound, which of course sort of refers to the nostalgia of the of the main character, with the prog techniques. I, I want to say. Hmm. Yeah. Of a little of it being more composed and more tightly performed than traditional old-fashioned rock and roll ever was. Right. It's it is it's a prog band dabbling in classic rock, as yeah. opposed to, to vice versa. It's really cool. It's I mean, it's a musically it's a really fun song. I think it's very successful. I think so too. I think so too. And I, I don't know if it's it's just because the last couple were were kind of meh on the meh side you know that we're a little more excited to get to this mm. but but yeah I'm, I'm digging it i'm digging it a- any notion as to how many times it was played oh i will notionally tell you i'm i'm guessing little could you nautically tell me <sighs> yar <laughs> <laughs> Big Dipper Rising. Oh, yep. Pretty much what I expected. Guesses. Zero. Four times. Okay. All in 1976. On the same night. 
all all in May, in two weeks in May, <laughs> May 3rd through May 16th. Wow. I bet one of those was the live performance that we saw on the on the video. Oh, it's pot. Well, yeah, I mean, it's possible. It was the first one was in France. The last one was in Switzerland. So who knows where they would have been in that amount of time? Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, Nick, let's talk about the subject. Yeah, let's let's get into the the lyrics. Based on if we look at the cartoon, we're now on the second page of the cartoon that came in the album. Okay. Ray Lamas has just been stood up by Salamander. He's had a big sad. Yep. Me me feel me feel sad now. Yeah. Me steal car for a pretty lady, now me feel sad. Right. <laughs> and and now he's reminiscing about the past. And in mm. the cartoon, mm-hmm. he says, I used to pull lots of birds, which is, of course, English for ladies. Yep. And they used to call me the Big Dipper. Yes. This is like his gang name. It's his nickname. <laughs> and, and I think that I think so. Big Dipper refers to a specific historical roller coaster mm. at the Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Oh, okay, cool. The Big Dipper is a wooden out and back roller coaster originally built in 1923. It sat two people per bench. Yeah, so it was a big old roller coaster. And I think that generally when men refer to themselves or are referred to as a ride of some kind, I think that there is a, a, an implicit and we can use our context clues here, an implicit sexual uh, connotation with having the nickname the Big Dipper. An out-and-back roller coaster is a coaster that climbs a big hill right at the beginning, right as it comes out of the station, mm-hmm. kind of takes takes a turn and goes 180, goes down a great big hill, and then its momentum just carries it another 180 back into the station. So it's a great big oval. Yeah. So it goes out and back, and that's makes a lot of sense for something like like the Pleasure Beach where there's not a lot of room for crazy curls and well you say that but the Pleasure Beach now holds some uh, some records some England records and and European records for their roller coasters it's continued to have Does it really? some of the the tallest fastest steepest newest roller coasters and apparently the pleasure the pleasure place <laughs> Yes, go on. Was inspired by New York's Coney Island. Oh, okay, sure. So some of the early rides were imported from from America, and then they did their own innovations over there. So a big tradition, uh, something that Ian would definitely be familiar with from his days in Blackpool, Mm -hmm. makes me wonder if he met someone who referred to themselves as the Big Dipper. Right. And, And I think it's safe to say that there is a an implicit sexualization of such a nickname. Yes, you go for you want to you want to come for the ride. Yeah, come on, baby, I'll give you the ride of your life at my pleasure beach. Yeah, <laughs> I'll. Hopefully, it's I'll, not sandy. No, uh, I think there's a blanking on the name, but there's a there's an old song where somebody refers to a man as a carnival ride. Mm, okay. Obviously, it's a it's a sexual implication. Yeah, I think it's I think it's safe to say. I had a girlfriend in college who once said that 
I was like a carnival ride, but I don't believe it was a sexual implication. She was also on a lot of magic mushrooms at the time. (laughs) She also said that a tapestry of mine didn't like her. So... (laughs) Hard to tell. Hard to tell what was going on there. Anyway. Yeah, difficult to decipher that one. Yeah. Well, why don't we look at the uh, at the lyrics here, Nick? Come back next week for the first episode of Explain Ex-Girlfriends to Me. And we will. <laughs> that would be that would be a long podcast. That, that would be rough. That'd be longer than the four, five years. No, six years we're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. So mist rolls off the beaches. Tr- the train rolls into the station. Uh. Uh Uh-huh. The mist rolls off the beaches. The train rolls into the station. Uh Uh-huh. So we have sort of the the opening of the day. The mist is clearing, and here come the revelers. Weekend happiness seekers pent up saturation. Uh. Weekend happiness seekers pent up saturation. Yeah, it, it's the influx of not necessarily tourists per se, but because they're people from the local area. But they're this is the destination to go to at the season. Yes, I think we can say tourists. I mean, they're coming from towns that aren't Blackpool. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know sure. how far away you have to come from to be considered a tourist. And and it's and what you're doing, you know. Well, we don't mean anyone any harm. We weren't on the Glasgow train. Oh, we don't mean anyone any harm. We weren't on the Glasgow train. Hmm? Little derision there. Is that implying that the people who come off the Glasgow train are the real rowdy bunch? The Glaswegians are the one to look out for, yeah. (laughs) I reckon they are. (laughs) For any number of reasons, I'm sure. Yeah, partially because... You can't understand what they're saying. I was actually, I was in London one time and somebody came up to me and asked me for directions, but they had such a thick Scots accent (laughs) that I just had no idea what they said and blinked and I blinked at them. And then I heard them say, oh, you don't speak English and walked away (laughs) to talk to someone else. He, I mean, it, it tells you right there. He wasn't speaking English. So you are not at fault, Omen. Well, I apparently I wasn't speaking English. Oh, you weren't speaking English. Yeah. I thought he said you all speak English. No, he said he said of me, oh, you don't speak English clearly because you didn't understand me. See, it was so thick and confusing for you that I didn't even understand your interpretation of it. You had transitive confusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Happens happens often, yeah. See you at the pleasure beach. Roller coasting heroes. I'll see you at the pleasure beach. Roller coasting heroes. Uh-huh. This is talking to his gang. I don't know. Talking to everybody. This feels like um, like a West Side Story or something. It's like a visiting gang almost. Well, yeah, yeah. There with your buddies. We'll give the local lads a hiding if they keep us right. from the ladies. Big Dipper riding. We'll give the local lads a hiding if they keep us from the ladies hanging out at the Penny Arcades. Big Dipper riding. We'll give the local lads a hiding. If they keep us from the ladies. 
So, we are not the local lads. Right. We are the resource competitors with the local lads. Yeah, we, we acknowledge we're coming in on their turf. We won't give them any trouble if they don't give us any trouble. But if they keep us from the thing that we want, which is ladies, we will beat them up. Yeah, as gangs of hooligans are wont to do. Do you remember when we worked at the fair, Nick? I remember most of it, yeah. <laughs> except except that one night in 2002. Do you recall how some of the, the, the circuit Ren Fair performers would refer to the townspeople of Oswego, New York as the townies? Yes, yeah. I think it's a similar thing. You know, it's whenever you come from out of town and you're a group, no matter what you're doing, you're the you're a group and everyone else is the locals or the townies. Sure. The local lads. And so you have to, you know, because of our unevolved primate brains, we immediately form in-groups and out-groups, mm-hmm. groups, psychologically, and we feel the desire to fight or at least defend ourselves against the out-groups. Right. We're always defensive. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. Like, I, listen, I'm coming in here. I'm going to take your bananas. I'm I'm going to going to have relations with your lady chimps, but if you let me do it, I'll get out of here and and nobody'll nobody'll have a problem. They used to call me the big banana, Nick. The big banana. Yeah. I remember when I was performing cuz you always wore that banana suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I used to perform Summerstock Theater in Connecticut. Mhm. It was this very rich town and I and and, you know, and I think that alcoholic is a potential factor in, the, in all of this. I remember going to a local bar and there was a group of these rich young Connecticut guys who would probably all come home from college and they were chatting it up. And uh, I was with my friends in the bar and I struck up a conversation with them. And then I didn't like something that they said about the soccer game that was on. And I felt this really almost uncontrollable urge to start a fight with them for no other reason that I was at that moment perceiving them as some sort of an outgroup to my to my group. The dark secrets of Oben Said's life. <laughs> Another juicy podcast. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's the, the sister podcast to explain ex-girlfriends to me. Woof. Maybe maybe stepsister podcast. We're in for a quite a psychological treat for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then we have some more, uh, some more Blackpool references. Shaking up the Tower Ballroom. Shaking up the Tower Ballroom. Throwing up in the Ballroom. Dancing. Dancing, yeah. I believe Dancing. that you know, that refers to Blackpool Tower. Yep. And going hand in hand with that, throwing up in the bathroom. A wonderful and time-honored Blackpool tradition. Yep, yep. Landladies in the back room. I'm the Big Dipper. It's the weekend rage. Never before has that been said so eruditely. Thank you. It's like a bit of Fry and Laurie sketch. Okay. Where... Hugh Laurie plays this like crazy electric guitar and he's like this punk, this, this punk musician. Okay. And Stephen Fry plays a a bishop, a literal bishop, like singing, talk singing over the music. Right. 
And it is, and he, it's all just like, oh baby, I'm going to take you for a ride you've never been on. Like all this, like really, you would expect to be screamed and scream song to, but it's, it's all just, just spoken as mm. a, the deacon or the bishop or whatever. I'll find it and I'll put it in a, I'll put I it can't in a thing. imagine that and, watching the actual <laughs> performance of that would be more hilarious than you described. <laughs> oh, the bishop and the warlord. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to play it right now. <laughs> Part of the thing that I find so fascinating about this song is that it sets up an expectation, at least for me, of, you know, a lot of rock and roll and a lot of the real classic rock and roll kind of fetishizes youth in hmm. in Objects of Desire. Okay. She was only 17, if you know just what I mean, etc. One, two, three, five! <laughs> You know, that's that's a common theme in, in yeah. songs. Oh, sure, yeah. And here we have the object of desire being the rich widowed landlady. <laughs> if she's over 39. If she's over 39, <laughs> I'll make love to you next Thursday. 39 or over, I'll be there. If you're 39 or over, I'll make love to you next Thursday. So it's really, it's really interesting, and I don't know quite what to make of it. I don't know if it's like, if it's talking about a a, a young man who, you know, has a thing for older ladies, great, or if it's, you know, an older guy who is living this young rocker lifestyle and wants to get with the rich widowed landlady because he knows she's going to pay for everything. He's in Blackpool for the weekend on a fling. On a rage. On a rage. His weekend rage. On a spree. This is the quote unquote price he's paying to go in and have his fun. Right. He has a place to stay. If he's got to pay for his place and his entertainment by treating this lady, then so be it. And she's she's getting something out of it. Giving her a ride on the Big Dipper, yeah. He's, he's got to give her the Big Dipper. And it does seem like the sort of... You know, I can imagine him being like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go down to Blackpool for the weekend. <laughs> a hotel? Oh, I don't need that. I'm just no. going to go and, you know, I'll I'll find a place to stay in my usual way. Yeah. And and maybe there is there is some there's there's some bragging there that he doesn't yeah. need to pay that he can use his, his charms, masculine early 20s ways to to make this happen, you know? It reminds me, and I know you're going to make fun of me for this, Nick, and I've already steeled my heart against you. It reminds me of The Three Musketeers by Alexander Dumas mm-hmm. and the character of Porthos, who, for the whole first half of the book, refers to his countess, his lover, the countess, who keeps buying him. You know, he shows up with all this 
you know, exotic, expensive clothing. And he's like, oh, yes, well, you know, my countess, she just loves me so much. <laughs> and then D'Artagnan follows him one day, and it turns out that his countess is is a middle-aged, homely tax collector's wife <laughs> who is indeed in love with him, but yeah, is not yeah. at all glamorous or even really that rich. She just keeps stealing out of her husband's accounts to to pay for her young her younger musketeer lover who has good looks yeah and he just you know abuses the relationship for all that it's worth well of course and i and i think there's probably there's probably no there's no dishonesty between them i think they're they're both very well aware of what's going on here are you referring to big dipper or the three musketeers yes i i i can definitely say in the three musketeers there is a lot of dishonesty oh is there okay okay I think in this context, eh, maybe not. Yeah, it's it seems like it seems like a a mutual mutually beneficial arrangement. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's up front. If you're 39 or over, I'll make love to you next Thursday at 6 p.m. <laughs> that's that's our t- if you're not there, you you missed your window for the week. I may stay over for a week or two. Yeah. Yeah. Drop a postcard to me, mum. Right, that's where that's where things take a turn for the even weirder. A little Mrs. Robinson. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Well, we we can't mention Blackpool without mentioning the mother. Yeah, not the sourdough starter, not the kombucha starter, not the vinegar starter, but the actual mother. Wow. I've been big into fermented foods lately. Oh, I know, Nick. <laughs> I haven't been successful in any of them, but I really want to be. So, I mean, there's there's a start there. He brews kombucha the way he plays the violin. Not well, but passionately. Poorly. But with with so much excitement. I'll see you at the waltzer. We'll go big dipping daily. I'll see you on the waltzer. We'll go big dipping daily. Uh-huh. Just to conclude, we have the bizarre and specific sexual exploits of one of the, the memory of one Ray Lamas who used mm-hmm. to go to the Pleasure Beach and, you know, after getting out his pent-up saturation, settled down for a week or two with an older lady who appreciated him and could pay for his lifestyle. It is the ultimate glance of mortality. It's, it's this is, this was me in my prime. What the hell happened? I just stole a car for Sally and then she, she left me. She she stood me yeah. up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Despite the, we get the energy, the energy of the song comes from the energy of a young Ray Lamas being being the Big Dipper here. I used to be the biggest ride in England, and now I'm not even the rotating teacup. Yeah. At the, the kitty fair. Right. Ooh. Well, let's take I'm, that out. I'm barely the choo choo train. The circuits. Yeah, it's we have that energy, we have that excitement of that memory, but ultimately it, it is couched in that greater 
oh how I have fallen. Yeah, although we don't, we don't. I don't think we find that in the song itself. It's just you're no. talking about the context of in the musical. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Nick, Omen. What is your favorite roller coaster that you've ever been on? I've only been on like one. I don't. I get motion sick. I don't do roller coasters. I don't do rides. Okay. So I'd say it was my relationship. Oh no. <laughs> with my girlfriend in high school. That was woof. No, it was actually the girl before before Ray, I would say. That was a lot more of a motion sick roller coaster. But more of that on explain ex-girlfriends to me, I think. <laughs> no, I don't I mean the the one at, at Six Flags in Darien Lake in high school. By mm. default. Yeah, because that's the only one you've been on. Literally, yeah. Yeah. What about you? Anything? You do you have a favorite? Oh, I I think my favorite I have to say is Space Mountain in Disneyland, mm. California, because what I've discovered is that I, I I dislike the rides generally that are outdoors that go really high. Oh. But I love the ones that are dark rides. So it's the same. It's it's just a roller coaster that is enclosed in a building and it's dark except where they want to shine the light. So the rock and roller coaster, for instance, and I and I for some reason when I don't have those visual cues of like literally how high up I am, yeah. I just can enjoy the G forces and the thrill of it, right? A lot more. I there was one day when I visited Katie in Disneyland, where I rode Space Mountain three times in a row back to back. <sighs> That's well, I mean, we we talked about you doing the Spartan, so it makes sense now. It all it all it's all coming together. <laughs> I guess. Anything else that we want to say about Big Dipper Nick McGill? Nothing else for me. I'm pretty good with Big Dipper. What about you, Omen? Anything? Fun song, fun memories. I miss the ability to go and do things on the weekends. <laughs> yep, ultimately that's what we pull out of this. It makes sense. Yeah. And so does Ray Lamas. That's right. Yeah. Nick, what are we listening to next week and then subsequently talking tell about? We are, we're getting a little meta here. We're talking about too old to rock and roll and too young to die. Hey! That's the name of the album that we's talking about. It only took us seven tracks to get there. <laughs> Track number eight, halfway through, it's a, the latter half of the latter half. Indeed. Well, that should be quite a lot of fun. Yes, I agree. Until next week, if you want to experience the adrenaline of a high-paced G-Force roller coaster... You can have the thrill of giving us a five-star rating and a positive review. And actually, Nick, I want to try a little experiment this week. Yes, give it to me. We've been talking about the YouTube videos, and Tull has kind of an amazing amount of material on YouTube. So much, yeah. I would like to encourage each of our listeners to go and find the YouTube video of your favorite Tull song and leave a little note in the comment section about our podcast 
and see if we get a bump in numbers over the next week. That I think that's a good idea. We will we will street crew this one way or the other. We've already got one who is I was going to say strategically, but I really think he's taking the shotgun approach and he's just just laying out everywhere he can drop a line for us and we appreciate that. Jeff Jeffy Buzz is definitely the queen bee of our digital street crew, but I think it's time to release the beehive. Let's let's get the rest of the beehive buzzing. Yeah. Indeed. So get out there Leave some chatter about Talk Tall to Me on the YouTube comments, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Will it be a cease and desist letter? <laughs> Time will only tell. Time will tell. <laughs> Until next week, I am the water flume that is Omen Said. I am the motion sickness bag that is Nick McGill. Together, we are the twirly barrel that is Feckless Momes. And this is the one-week wait to get to the front of Talk Tall to Me. Step right up, step right up, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Ride the newest ride here at the Pleasure Beach. Only five tickets, five tickets to get yourself a seat on the Andersonius. Step right up. Will make your heart beat faster. It will make your pupils dilate. It will make your hair stand on end. There's nothing it won't do to your body. Your father will disown you. Your mother will never be prouder. Step right up. You will finally know what it's like to feel alive for the very first time in your life. Don't be shy. Come on now. You in the blue hat, get over here. I can see the look in your eyes. You must be this tall to ride this ride. Let me get the scale up here. Oh, oh. That's right. Step up. Where does your head fall? Where the f- Look at the flute. Look at the flute. Oh, you are tall enough. Get on that ride, Get boy. on there. Get on there. Uh, you come up here, Missy. Yes, you can have your cotton candy on there. It'll go everywhere. It's fine. <laughs> we have a shower bath at the end to clean you off. Now, okay, we're, we're full right now. Everybody make a line over to the side here. Thank you very much. Now, everybody on the ride, you must be warned. Must be warned. Keep your feet and hands in the ride at all time. Make sure that the lock bar is down, and most importantly, Talk Tell to Me is, in fact, a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network. Let's see if this thing works. <laughs> <laughs>